0: listener production hi and welcome to broadsheet melbourne around town i'm broadsheet's editorial director katja Vaktil, and the host of this 10-minute guide to melbourne a new film about a cold case in a remote australian mining town starring simon baker is in cinemas now broadsheet's lucy bellbird caught up with the acclaimed actor to talk about limbo the film and she's going to join our Features Editor, Emma Joyce, to talk about that and Baker's behind-the-scenes insights today. First, though, we're going to be hearing about a team that's up at 3.30am every day to bake 2,500 cinnamon scrolls, scrolls that suddenly seem to be on every second cafe menu around Melbourne. Sebi's scrolls started during lockdown. It's a tiny little operation, and they now have a formal location in Caulfield South, Broadsheets' Ruby Harris is here to tell us all about them. Welcome, Ruby. Thank you. So Sebi's scrolls, we've, we've talked about this over the last few months. They've been around for a little while, but suddenly these little scrolls covered in icing seem to be in a lot of different places across Melbourne.
1: Absolutely. I feel like they have exploded in the past six months. They seem to be everywhere. I feel like most cafes that I'm going into at the moment has a Sebi Scrolls display in the front counter, um, which is great because they're very delicious.
0: So how did you first come across them and where did you first taste one?
1: I think the first time I came across them was they were stocked in Hi-Fi, which is a cafe on Smith Street in Fitzroy, right near our office. So I saw them there one day and I was like, that looks like something I need to eat right now.
0: <laughs> okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about that product, which is real. it's the only thing they make, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So they have their cinnamon scrolls. Um, On the weekends, they also do a Cheesy mite scroll, which I haven't tried yet, but I'm going to get my hands on soon. Who is Sebi Scrolls? Who's behind it? Yeah. So behind Sebi is Sebastian or Sebi. He and his fiance, Annabelle. So Sebi's worked in fine dining for quite a few years. Annabelle's worked in catering. So the the fit makes a lot of sense. Sebi decided to perfect his cinnamon scroll recipe during lockdown, which I think a lot of people were trying to perfect their (laughs) recipes and their baking in lockdown, but... This one, I'm glad, was perfected. Yeah, They started delivering them to friends during lockdown and getting people to try them, and everyone was sort of telling them that they had to start selling them. They're like, these are amazing. So Annabelle had a commercial kitchen that she was leasing for some of her catering work, so they started just making the scrolls in there. Um, at the end of 2021, they were being stocked in a few cafes, and now they're stocked in cafes all across Melbourne. There's a few um, locations sort of out regionally as well, And you can also purchase them directly from their kitchen in Caulfield South. Which you have visited a number of times. When did they move to Caulfield South? Or was that the catering kitchen? Yeah, so that's the original catering kitchen. So they're still in there. Um, Right now, they are working on opening a coffee window. So in the next few months, you'll be able to go there, buy a coffee, buy a scroll. And I feel like that's a perfect weekend morning. (laughs) So you've visited. Uh, They
0: start making these things at 3.30 in the morning.
1: Yeah, so Annabelle told me 3:30 a.m. They're in there, they're baking. They've got it's just Annabelle and Sebby. They've got two casuals who help them out, but they're there every single day of the week. And Sebby's never closes. It's open seven days a week. 3:30 a.m. They're in there, they're baking, getting everything ready. By 6 a.m., the scrolls are being delivered to cafes across Melbourne, and I'm pretty sure they open at 8 a.m. So you can go in then and start buying your scrolls. And they close earlier most days because they do tend to sell out before <laughs> closing time. And when you go, the best thing about going directly there, and I really recommend you go there, is you're standing in the kitchen with them when you're buying them. So it smells unbelievable and you're watching the scrolls in the oven and it's really cool. It's there just layers upon layers of dough and caramelised brown sugar and then they pour the um, cream cheese topping all over the top and it just is unbelievable and you have to eat them warm.
0: Yeah. Although they do sound, the way you've described them in your story, I'm sure warm is another level. But they do seem so fresh. And so you've mentioned how doughy they are, that they're probably good. You know, even when they're sitting at room temperature, they're probably quite good. A hundred percent.
1: They are. So I've never had cinnamon scrolls that are like this before. Like you can tell that he spent months perfecting this recipe and that a lot of thought has gone into every element of the scroll from the icing to the layers of dough to... The brown sugar—you can just
0: tell that he's put a lot of thought into it and really perfected this recipe, and you can taste it. So obviously, they've got the cheesy mite scrolls on the weekend. But when you spoke to them, is there any desires to expand into a full-fledged bakery, or they've just got their eyes on the scrolls for now? Like, what are their plans?
1: For now, it's just the scrolls. Um, So the coffee window will be opening in their Caulfield South kitchen um, within the next few months. Um, And the great thing about that is also the whole kitchen is glass windows. So and it sits opposite a park. So. I'm imagining people are going to go get their takeaway coffee, get their scroll and sit in the park and just watch the scrolls being baked and handed out. And I think that it's going to be so beautiful to sit and watch.
0: Yeah. Look, I'm excited. You know I'm a Southside girl. It's really exciting when one of these places opens in the South. Absolutely. So that's where are we going. But thanks so much for letting us know about Sebby's. Thanks for having me.
2: Broadsheets' Lucy Bellbird, who is sat in front of me right now, she has a really good recommendation Limbo. Tell us about this new film from Ivan Sen, who is the director of the Mystery Road movies. It is
3: such a good film. It's one of those movies that you watch and then you find yourself thinking about for days afterwards. I watched it a couple of weeks ago before it came out and I'm thinking about it regularly still. It was just so visually beautiful and such a compelling story and amazing performances
2: from everyone involved. So this particular film, it already premiered at Berlin Film Festival and it's in Australian cinemas now. It is the new one featuring Simon Baker that critics have said he is just unrecognisable. Some people have said he's kind of Walter White-ish.
3: He is quite Walter White-ish. It's just a very different Simon Baker than you'd be used to. Like if you knew him from The Mentalist or Devil Wears Parada, this is a totally different guy. It's a sort of shaved head a bit more haggard um tattered like clearly it's a man who's been going through something and that shows in his whole
2: body and his whole performance so he plays a detective who has gone to a town called limbo ostensibly investigating a murder and that murder is of a, an indigenous woman from many years before how does the story kind of Pick up?
3: Well, they're calling the film a sort of outback, neo noir, western sort of classic. And like most of those films, it sort of begins when a stranger in this case, Simon Baker's character Travis, rolls into town and he's been sent there sort of on a fool's errand, you know, like drive out to the middle of nowhere and solve this case that no one really expects him to solve. So from the very outset, he's just there to tick some boxes and say that he came. But when he finds himself actually stuck in limbo um, due to car troubles, he's compelled to start investigating the case in a way that he wouldn't have otherwise.
2: When he starts his case, he goes to a file, the police files. And what does he discover?
3: next to nothing. It's a case that people hadn't really looked into. Uh, You get the sense that it was one of those things that might have been able to be solved if someone had put energy into it at the time, but they'd made quite racially charged assumptions and just put it in a filing box to sit there until this detective, Travis, finds it
2: decades later. If you're a fan of the Mystery Road series and also films. Is this something that's going to be like a real natural progression? Ivan Sen, who's the director of Mystery Road and also of the
3: Beneath Clouds film as well, he wrote the film, he directed it, he produced it, he composed some of the score, he did all the cinema photography, he edited the whole thing. It's like when you do like all the parts in a group project, his name's all through the credits. And his visual style is so on show in the film. And so if you're a fan of his work and his directing, you won't be disappointed. I think this is really up there with some of the best of his work as well.
2: A little fact I know about this filmmaker is that he spent some time working with the police when he was younger, because it was one of those first jobs, like a work experience type job that he went into. And he was one of the first Indigenous people to go and do that in his where he grew up in his town let's talk about the location so this is all filmed in kuba Pedi. yes and obviously this opal mining town has a lot of underground living and this is all shot in black and white so tell us about how that kind of influences the way that you watch this film and and what it makes you feel
3: obviously in kuba Pedi people genuinely live underground because of the heat and this is a story that really investigates the underworld as well as things that people want to keep buried or keep hidden. So thematically it works really beautifully. Uh, the black and white I thought as well was such an interesting choice because Cooper PD, for such a small town it's been on our screens quite a lot. It's in Mad Max and Simon Baker had actually shot there before for Red Planet and usually PD stands in for Mars mm. it looks the so red color the
2: dust of yeah of the ground at the time
3: and when I heard that they were going to take a place that was so known for its vivid colors and shoot it all in black and white I was like this is such a bold choice and a really interesting one from Sen and I think it really pays off in the film.
2: You also interviewed Simon Baker for Broadsheet. What did he say?
3: One thing he did mention was how shooting it in black and white allowed him to be quite subtle with his performance. He said that in his mind there's part of your brain that's taken up with processing colour and when you're not looking at the colours and being distracted by the red dirt of Cooper Cuperpedia you can really focus on just the drama and the story happening before you um and I'd love to just look back at it you could freeze any frame and it would look like a beautiful photograph or a work of art so it's visually really beautiful even if you're not that compelled by the story which I was very compelled by
2: the story but well you've completely convinced me I'm gonna carve out some time this weekend to try and watch it so
0: Limbo is in cinemas now Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Emma. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore I'll be back again on Friday, same time, same place. Chat now. Listener.